Well, welcome to HBF again, and uh, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you are with us. This is the launch of our 2023 uh, Vision Conference, and uh, I'm excited about all that God is going to do this week. Uh, again, um, this is a great time for our church just to come together as one man. I can't be more grateful uh, for all the folks from Maple City Baptist Church that are here this whole week uh, to watch our kids so we can come together and, and feast on the Word of God together. And, you know, the Bible tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. And this year, our theme verse is based out of, really for the whole year for our church, uh, is based out of Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23, which says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and to look well to thy herds. And that's not typically a a passage that you would use for a missions conference. However, uh, in the context of our church, and if you're new to Heartland or maybe you haven't uh, been here very long, uh, you'll understand. You maybe need a little explanation, but if you've been here, you'll you'll understand that at HBF we're all about making disciples. The mission of God is making disciples. So um, if we are not making disciples here, then we can't make them there, right? You can't reproduce what you are not, and so uh, it is important that we are diligent. And that's really the theme word uh, for this week is the diligence uh, that it takes to make disciples both here in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And it is ultimately about souls, right, caring for other people's souls, enough to share the gospel, enough to invest the word of God, enough to commit the mysteries of the New Testament to their hearts so that they understand who Christ is, what he's doing in his plan for the universe, his plan for the earth, the plan for their life, and practically how that can be worked out in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to bring several speakers uh, this week to HBF to speak. This is a, this week is lined up. We're packed with, uh, with presentations and preaching. It's going to be a good week. You really were not going to want to miss it. I know some of you have to work or this, that, and the other thing. But, man, if you can at all make it, you're going to want to be here. And we're getting ready to get kicked off with an incredible missionary getting ready to go to Ireland. Uh, Brian Berry is uh, an example of the believers. I, I love Brian. I got to meet him a, a year and a half or two ago at his dad's church just up here at uh, in Belton at, uh, South, at Southview. Southland, I get, sorry, Southview, that's like anathema. So Southland, I get them confused, Southland uh, Baptist Church up here off of, uh, off just off 49 Highway. And uh, Randy and I were there for a, a conference. Uh, I think Pastor Frazier out in uh, Akron uh, was the, you know, like one of the key speakers there. And then Brian gets up and he sings. And I looked at his table, and man, Randy and I both were like, man, we need to get to know this fellow. And uh, brought him down here and have really gotten to know him. And you guys have gotten around him last vision conference, put a prayer team around him. And uh, you're going to enjoy his preaching. I'm going to enjoy watching and supporting and all the things that God is going to do in Ireland. But uh, today he is here to preach and to launch us off. So I want you to give him a good HBF welcome and your attention as he comes to preach the word to us this morning. Come up here and preach, Brian. Well, good morning. It is so good to be back here um, with you all. It, it was actually, I can tell you exactly when it was that I first met uh, Pastor Andy and Pastor Brian. It was a year and two weeks ago. It seems like two years ago because it's just it's wild to think. But like I, I grew up in Belton and I had no idea this church existed, just like right down the road. And uh, I meet these guys at this pastor's conference at my dad's church. And it was just so cool how instantly we just hit it off. And uh, Pastor Brian was like, hey, we have our missions conference coming up. Would you be willing to come and like 
do a presentation. I was like, yeah, absolutely. When is it? He's like, oh, like next week. I was like, oh. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can make that work. And what's cool is last year when I was here, it was just looking out on a crowd of people that I didn't know. And now it's awesome to get to be here looking out on a crowd of people who are friends. I would say per capita, percentage of a church to percentage of Facebook friends I have, this is probably the, the highest number across the country. Um, but uh, I love this church. I love your heart for your community. I love that you guys have life issues, and, and that's something that's very special to me. Um, I love that your stand for um, the Word of God, the pre- preservation of God's Word, and I just love your heart for the Word of God. Um, I love my prayer team. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, I was standing over there on Wednesday night last year at Vision Conference during the invitation. Teresa comes over, and she's like, hey, I think uh, I need to start a prayer team for you. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I, I think we should do it too. And uh, it's just been awesome to see, you know, how God has um, just brought uh, this church into my life, and I'm thankful to partner together with you. Um, I do want to encourage you to come back tonight. Um, tonight's going to be pretty informal. I would love for you just to get to know me better, um, just hear my heart for Ireland, hear about what your investment in my ministry is going to be going and doing in Ireland, and I would encourage you to come back with some questions as well. They can be questions about me, questions about Ireland, questions about anything. And the great thing is, if you ask a question and I don't know the answer, I'll just make it up and you won't know. And so that's that's a great thing. And so I just want to encourage you, be back here tonight um, and the rest of the week. But uh, it's an honor for me to not only get to be part of Vision Conference, but to be one of the speakers is a huge blessing and a, and a huge honor for me. Proverbs 27, 23, it's right over there. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. When Pastor Hedges contacted me about coming and speaking, instantly there was, there was a message that came to my mind um, to preach um, about the state of the lost throughout the world and what we need to do to reach them. And, and that's what I had been planning on preaching uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then a couple weeks ago, I had two different conversations in churches that God used and really redirected me to what I'm going to be preaching today. The first conversation I had was with a young man in Texas. After I got done preaching at this church, he comes up to me and he said, hey, I think God may be leading me to come work with you in Ireland. Obviously, that's exciting. I was very excited that he said that. I said, that's great. I said, what are the ministries that you serve in here? And he was kind of confused. He was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, like, do you work in kids ministry, music ministry, do you teach somewhere? He's like, oh, I don't, I don't have any ministries that I, that I teach in here. And that got me thinking. And then the next week I, had a, uh, I was at a, preaching at a church in Indiana, and I was talking to this pastor, and they had a missions trip coming up to Costa Rica to go do a VBS in Costa Rica. And he said, man, he said, it's amazing. I have so many people coming up to me saying, hey, I want to go to Costa Rica for this VBS in the summer. He's like, but we're struggling to find workers for our VBS here this summer. He was like, there's people that are willing to take a week off of work in the summer to go to Costa Rica, but they're not willing to wake up early on a Sunday morning to serve here. These people, they're, they're, they're willing to be involved in missions other places, but there's this disconnect where they realize that the souls of people in Indiana are going to hell just as much as the souls of children in Costa Rica. And these people, before they considered the flocks, other places, they need to consider flocks in their own backyard. They need to consider the state of their own souls. And maybe that describes you today. There's all these different mission trips up here that 
Maybe you're like, man, I want to go on one of those. What are you doing to reach the people here? Are you bought in to the ministry here? Are you sold out to Jesus here? Before we can look out, I want to encourage us this morning to look in. What state are you in? That pastor, like I said, he said, these people think they're doing missions by going to another place. But you can do missions just as much right here as you can anywhere else. So as we get into vision conference this week, as we consider the nations, as we consider the needs in other places, my question for you is this. Are you ready? Are you ready for what God has for you this week? If God were to call you this week, would you be ready to go? Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you bought in? Are you all in? And if God doesn't call you to go somewhere else, are you all in for what he has for you right here? See, I'm excited for this week. I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, I'm going to be here every single session, um, and I'm excited to fill up my sermon notebook with just, just God's word. And I want you to be here as well, but I just want kind of want to prime the pump for us this week to see if we are ready for what God has for us. And with all of that being said, let's get spiritual. Who here knows the song, The Hokey Pokey? Does anybody here know that song perfectly? If you know The Hokey Pokey, it starts off, what do you do? You put your right hand in. Put your right hand out. You put your right hand in and you shake it all about. Uh, and then you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around because that's what it's all about. Uh, that's the hokey pokey. And so then, so you do that. You do your right hand. Then you do your left hand. You do your right foot. You do your left foot. You get to the total end of the song and what do you do? You put your what in? You put your whole self in. You put your whole self out. What I want to talk to us about this morning is going from this hokey pokey relationship and service for the Lord, where maybe he has a hand, he has an arm, he has a foot. Maybe for a short time he has all of you, but it's in and out, never fully surrendered, fully committed to what God has for you. See, if God wanted to write a song about how he wants us to follow us, it would be this. You put your whole self in, boom, that's it, song over. It's not a good song, but it's good preaching, right? It's like, it's not a great song, but it's good preaching. The way God wants us to follow him is this. Put your whole self in and leave it there. That's it. It's over. Not in and out. Not part of you. All of you in completely. The call to follow and serve Jesus has never been anything less than a call to fully surrender to him. Mark 12.30. Listen to this verse. Mark 12.30. It says this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You have to give him everything. This is my question for you this morning. Does that come anywhere close to describing how you follow and serve Jesus? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Does that come anywhere close to describing your dedication to serving the Lord? This morning, I want us to examine ourselves before we get into the rest of this week. I want us to look and consider, be diligent with our own souls, be diligent with ourselves to see where we are at with the Lord. I I heard a pastor say this. He said, I'm afraid we've cheapened the gospel by telling people to buy in without telling them to sell out. The call to follow Jesus has never been anything less than a call to full surrender. So this week, are you ready for what God has for you? Are you sold out for what God has for you? Individually, we each need to be able to answer that question, but collectively, as a church, we need to be able to answer that question as well. That wasn't me. A few years ago, I was at a camp, and our camp speaker got up, and he talked about how 
God wants our surrender, not just a commitment. And he described that the difference between surrender and commitment is who's in control. With a commitment, you're in control of that. For instance, if somebody invites me to a gender reveal party, I might commit to go, but I'm going to be thinking of how can I get out of this thing. There's, there's no way I want to go to that party. Some of you, January 1st was not that long ago. Some of you made commitments that this was going to be the year. This was the year you're going to get your finances ordered. You're going to get, you know, you're going to lose that 10 pounds. You're going to do that. That's the commitment that you made. Now we're here. We are in April. How are we doing on those commitments? A commitment you're in control of. But a surrender is different. You're not in control of that. Imagine you're in a battle situation. You wave the white flag. You are no longer in control of that situation. When you commit, you can back out. When you surrender, you're no longer in control. And that's what God wants for our lives. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to serving Jesus, is there something that you struggle to give him? Is there something you're holding back for yourself? Have you been wishy-washy in this commitment? But today you're like, I need to fully surrender. We need to be diligent and consider the state of our own souls this morning. Because like I said, maybe your whole walk with the Lord, it's been this hokey-pokey relationship where you give him your arm, you give him your leg, you give him your foot, you give him maybe all of you for a short time, but it's a short-term commitment and you're in and out. Listen, following Jesus is scary. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. You don't know exactly where it's going to take you. It's taking me to Ireland, away from my family, away from my friends, away from career opportunities, different opportunities. But I can promise you this. There's nothing I would rather be doing with my life than give myself completely and fully to Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. And I want you to turn in Luke chapter 9 as we consider being all in for what Jesus has for our life. Being all in, being fully surrendered for the Lord. Like I said, before we can consider the nations, before we consider these other places that, that need the gospel, I want us to look inward before we look outward. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus has been talking to his disciples about total surrender. And, and in Luke chapter 9, I, first I just want to start off by reading Luke 9 verse 23. In Luke chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus is speaking and he says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He's teaching his disciples that to follow him is this daily surrender, this daily dying to yourself, this daily surrender. And at the end of this chapter, after Jesus has been speaking to his disciples about surrendering daily, dying daily, a man comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. Wherever you go, I want to go. Now, that's a wonderful place to be in. I hope that's the place that you are in today, saying, hey, Jesus, wherever you want to go, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go as well. But that man saying that to Jesus starts this discourse between Jesus and these other peoples about the cost of following him, about being fully surrendered. And in Luke chapter 9, I just want us to look at verse 57 through 62. And what we're going to consider is three attributes of people who are fully surrendered and all in for what Jesus has for them. If you have God's word, look at Luke chapter 9, verse 57. I want to read 57 through 62. Then I want to pray. And I want us to consider... Are these attitudes of people who are all in, would that describe our relationship with the Lord? 
And it came to pass that as they went in that way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together before we go further this morning. Dear God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here with this church, and I thank you for their reputation as a church that loves your word, that loves souls, that loves making disciples. And this morning, as we kick off Vision Conference, my prayer is that we would look inwardly at our own souls, at our own lives, at our own hearts, to see if there's things we're holding back or if we are ready to surrender ourselves to you. If you were to call somebody this week, that they would be prepared and ready to go to whatever that is. God, be with us today. May we hold nothing back from you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first attribute I want you to see of people who are fully surrendered and all in for Jesus is that they're willing to cast aside comfort. Look back with me at verse 57 and 58. It says, And it came to pass that as they went in in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. This man comes up to Jesus. He's like, man, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I'm all in. Where you go, I want to go. And it's interesting how Jesus responds to him. Jesus doesn't instantly say, that's great. Come on, follow me. Jesus responds to him by saying, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Why would Jesus respond that way? Out of everything Jesus could have possibly said to this man, he responds, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus is telling him what he'd be signing up for. He's saying, listen, that's great if you want to follow me, but let me tell you what you would be in for. It's going to cost you your comfort. All of us have things that we turn to for comfort. We turn to when things get bad, but Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be all in, if you're going to be bought in for what I have, if you're going to follow me, things may not always be easy. It may not always be comfortable. It might cost you your comfort to follow me. And the truth is that that is still the case. That is still true today. To be bought in and sold out for what Jesus wants for your life may not always be the most comfortable. And Jesus isn't trying to pull a wool over your eyes. He's not trying to get you to to sign up for some uh, pyramid scheme where, you know, once you're in, you're like, oh, this isn't the deal I thought it was. He's honest. He's saying, that's great. You're saying you want to follow me. But it might not always be comfortable. But I want you to think about the people God has used to change the world. People God has used maybe to change your own life by giving you the gospel. It was people who were willing to get out of their comfort zone. It may not have always been easy. It might not have always been the easy thing. But people who are willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. When we get to this point where we're willing to forsake everything and follow after Jesus... There may not, there's going to be people that probably aren't going to agree. They're not going to understand. They might be critics that are saying, why would you do that? Why would you give up the American dream? Why would you give up your career? Why would you give up your family and your friends? 
you know, when I went into ministry, I remember having a conversation when someone was like, you know how much people in ministry make, right? I was like, yeah, 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 no, I do. I grew up in a pastor's home. Might not always be comfortable. But if God is calling us to do something, we need to understand that he's the one we'll answer to someday, not the critics. You're not going to have to answer to your parents, to your coworkers, to your boss, to your mother-in-law, to all these other people. If God is calling you to do something, it may not make sense to other people that you would leave your comfortable life behind to follow him. But one of my favorite quotes of all time is by A.W. Tozier. And he says this, I claim the holy right to disappoint men in order to avoid disappointing God. I claim the holy right to disappoint men in order to avoid disappointing God. It may not be comfortable always to follow Jesus. People may not understand why you'd be willing to make that sacrifice, but one day he's the one you're going to be held accountable for your faithfulness to. He's the one you'll stand before. And are you going to stand before him saying, Jesus, I, I wasn't willing to be all in for you because... You know, I didn't want to give up my career. I didn't want to give up the comforts of the American dream. What a shame that would be. This all-in mindset is willing to put our comfort on the line. There's a pastor who wrote a book, and uh, in the book there's this quote that has stuck with me for about two years since I read it, and he says this. Somewhere along the line, Christians started to believe that God wanted to send us to safe places to do easy things. Somewhere along the line, that's what Christians started to think. Man, if God's will for my life, it's going to be somewhere safe, and it's going to be doing something easy. If that's what you think, I can promise you this. You didn't get that idea from this book. That's not where you got that idea from. Listen, to follow Jesus, to be all in for Jesus, may cost us our comfort, being willing to lay it all on the line. And everybody's going to go through life with difficulties. The question is, are you going to go through them in God's will or out of God's will? Are you going to be all in for what Jesus wants for you? Are you willing to say this morning, Christ comes before my comfort? Listen, I I love this life. I love getting to be in America. I love all of those things. And I'm not naive to think that there might be some adjustments to moving to Ireland that I haven't even thought about. There's probably going to be some time when I get there and I'm just like, what in the world did I just do? I imagine that'll probably happen like when I check in on the plane on a one-way flight. But here's the deal. I don't know why God wants me to go to Ireland, but I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to find out what God is going to do because I was willing to go. I was willing to set behind what was comfortable. To change the world for Jesus, we have to be willing to set aside our comfort. This man says, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Wherever you go, that's where I want to go. And Jesus says, that's great. Foxes have holes, have dens. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay down his head. Are you willing to set aside your comfort for what Jesus wants you to do in your life? Maybe it's something huge. Maybe it is to surrender and be a missionary. But maybe it's something small, like serving children here at church. Maybe it's something small of serving, giving up some time to come and assemble Bibles so other people can have the gospel. Are you willing to set aside what is comfortable for the sake of the gospel? People who are willing to follow Jesus and who are all in for Christ are willing to cast aside their comfort. Are you willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus? Secondly, I want you to see this. People who are all in for Christ 
people who are all in for the Lord, who are bought in for Jesus, they're willing to pick the right priorities. Look with me, if you will, to verse 59. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first, go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. After that first man came to Jesus and said, hey, I'm going to follow you. Jesus turns to somebody else and calls them to follow him out of the crowd. He turns to someone and he says, hey, I want you to follow me. And this man, when called out by name, by Jesus, says, well, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, if we just look at this verse from our Americanized Western context, we're going to think, well, that makes perfect sense. This guy's dad has just died. He's got to take care of that. Like, obviously, that's fine. But we, that's why it's important to understand Scripture in the context, historical context that it was written in. In Jewish custom, when someone would die, they would typically and often bury them the same day. And then once the person was buried, they would enter into a 30-day mourning period where they wouldn't go to work. They would stay home. They would mourn. So if this man's father had just died and needed to bury him, this man likely wouldn't have even been there that day. So, so what is it that's happening here? Well, there, there's a couple different things people say. It's possible that this man was the oldest son, and he wanted to fulfill his duty as the oldest son to be there to bury his father someday when he dies. It's possible that he wanted to be near his father so that when he dies, he can get this inheritance because he just heard Jesus say, hey, following me is not going to be comfortable. And he could be thinking, well, hey, if I wait till my dad dies, I can inherit some money and maybe we can get a hotel every now and then. You know, maybe that's what's happening here. Or maybe he's wanting to stay. And there's this custom in some Jewish communities where after a year they would rebury the bones of the dead people. It could have been any of those things. I don't know the exact specific reason this man said this. But what I do know is that the way Jesus responds to him tells us this. This man was worried about the wrong person's funeral. Because Jesus says, hey, if you're going to follow me, you need to daily pick up your own cross and follow me. You need to die to yourself if you're going to follow me. Jesus makes it clear that he's focused on the wrong priorities. To follow Jesus, we have to die daily to our own desires, our own wants, our own possessions. And this guy said, Jesus, I will follow you. I'll get to it later. He valued clearly the material and the physical more than the spiritual. Having the wrong priorities and relying on comfort and security and possessions and things over Jesus is going to make us unfit to serve God. Now, listen, I'm not saying that if you do follow Jesus, if you go all in for Jesus, you're going to be living a life of poverty. In Philippians, Paul, he's in jail, and he says, listen, this is what I've learned. I've learned to be a base. I've learned to abound in good times and bad times. What I've learned, I've learned to be content because he knew that God would take care of him ultimately. In whatever state he was, he could be content because he knew God would take care of him. In Psalm 37, David, not a young David, but an old David, he says, listen, I've been young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Listen, when we follow Jesus, he's going to take care of the necessities that we need for our life. But are we willing to do that anyway? Are we so drawn to our things that we just make excuse after excuse after excuse of why we can't follow God? In Luke 14, verse 33, it says this. Jesus speaking, he says, Likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. 
Not he probably won't be or it's going to be difficult for him to be. He says he cannot. If you don't forsake everything, if you're not willing to lay it all on the line, you cannot be his disciple. The idea is that everything we have is on the table for God. Nothing is held back. Whatever he wants is available to him. Whatever he asks, I'll give because it's his anyway. Having the right priorities. What would that look like in your life? If there's something that instantly popped into your head about, well, this is the thing I can't give up, praise the Lord. He identified an idol in your life that today you can come lay down on the altar and give back to him. If there's something in your mind that instantly when I say, we have to give him everything and hold nothing back. If there's something that came to your mind where you're like, well, I could give up everything but that thing, that's the thing that's an idol in your life that you need to lay down before the Lord. It can look like a bunch of different things that each of us individually would need to give up. But the question is, would you be willing to do that? This man said, Jesus, I'll follow you, but suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus was not first in this man's life. He said, I'll follow you, but first, let me do something else. Is he first in your life? Jesus responds to this man by saying, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou. Listen, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Let material people deal with material things. Eternally minded people will deal with eternal things. Colossians 3, 2, listen to this. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. I'm going to ask you again. Does that come anywhere close to describing your walk with the Lord? That your affections are on the things above, not on things of earth. If not, how can we ever consider the state of the flock? How can we ever look to thy herds if we are holding ourselves back from God, if we are living in rebellion to God, if we're not diligent with our own souls to look internally to say, hey, you know what, I'm not where I need to be in my service and my walk and my love for Jesus. If our affections and our love for things of this world are for things of this world and temporary things, then we'll never be fully surrendered to Jesus. In your outline, there's a picture of this man. His name's A.W. Milne. And the reason I show you his picture is that there used to be a thing called one-way missionaries. These were missionaries who, when they would go to a mission field, they would go on a one-way ticket. They would sell all their possessions. Or if they did take possessions with them, often they would put them in a coffin when they went to the mission field. Because to them, it was a lifetime commitment. There was no turning back. There was no going back. There was no other option but to give the rest of their life for the mission field. The A.W. Milne, he was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. Every other missionary before A.W. Milne went to these islands, had been killed by headhunters. But A.W. Milne knew that this was where God wanted him to go. So he left his family, he left his possessions, he left everything behind, and he goes to these islands where all the other missionaries had been killed. He spent the rest of his life telling these people the gospel. And when A.W. Milne died, they buried him in the center of town, and this is what his tombstone read. When he came, there was no light, and when he left, there was no darkness. He gave his life to reach these people for Christ. A.W. Milne was all in. He was surrendered. He had the right priorities. It certainly would not have been comfortable for him to go to the New Hebrides Islands, knowing what it could potentially cost them, to leave everything behind. But the souls of people were worth it. Were worth it. What God wanted for him was worth it. 
See, God may not be calling you to leave your family and your career and your possessions and everything to go to the mission field. But God is asking you to be all in for whatever he has for you. See, you don't have to be a missionary to share the gospel with somebody, but you do have to be all in. You don't have to abandon your life and your family to go to the mission field, but you do have to be all in. You do have to have the right priority, that it's not about your comfort, it's not about your possessions, it's not about your security. It's about following Jesus first and foremost. People who change the world cast aside comfort, and people who change the world have the right priorities. See, this is important to understand. The first man in this, in verse 57, he comes to Jesus saying, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, it may not be comfortable. But then he turns to someone in the crowd and he specifically says, hey, you follow me. If you were that person today that Jesus out of this crowd calls by name to follow him, would you be ready to go? Would you be ready and would you be surrendered to what he has you to do? Or would you say, you know what, Jesus, that sounds great. I'll do that eventually. But first, let me do this and this and this and this. If that is the case, then he is not first in your life and you need to ask him for forgiveness. You need to repent and you need to lay whatever is in front of him on the altar. So I want us to see this morning that people who are all in for Jesus, they're willing to cast aside their comfort. They're willing and they have, they pick the right priorities. But lastly, I want you to see this. People who are following Jesus and all in for Jesus, they focus forward. I want you to look at verse 61 and 62. And another said also, Lord, I will follow thee, but. Lord, I will follow thee, however. Lord, I will follow thee, except. Let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The point of what Jesus is saying is not, hey, you can't say goodbye to your family if you're going to follow me. That's, that's not the point of what Jesus is saying. Before I go to Ireland, I'm definitely going to say goodbye to my family. I'm not going to say, hey, Jesus said I can't do that. You know, you'll just never hear from me again. No, I'll say goodbye to them. But what Jesus is saying is that you can't follow Jesus forward with your eyes on him if you're looking back at other things. You can't say, Jesus, I'll serve you when I get to it. Jesus says there's no looking back. If you've ever mowed grass, you understand that if you're trying to get those perfectly beautiful lines, which I was at the Royals game the other day. I'm hoping today they score their first run of the season. It'll be great. But I was at the Royals game the other day. And one of my favorite things about baseball, especially Royals baseball, because the baseball is not that good, is just looking at the grass. It's so beautiful. (laughs) And when you go to these Royals games, they have these beautiful lines. Everything is so perfect. I promise you that when they're out there mowing, they're not mowing looking backwards. If they're mowing looking backwards, they're going to get all these crazy lines all over the place. If you want to move forward and have these beautiful lines while mowing, your focus has to be forward. You can't be looking backwards. Similarly, you can't follow Jesus as he's leading if you're looking back to other things. And some of us today are looking back. My challenge for you is this. Don't look back. Don't turn back. Move forward to what God has called you to do. This guy says, hey, Jesus, I will follow you, but first let me go do this other thing. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you're looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. This morning, as we kick off Vision Conference, what is one thing, or maybe for you it's a laundry list of things, that you need to leave behind? 
Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some sin that has a stranglehold on your life. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's any number of things. But in your own life, what is it that God is identifying that you have made an idol of? That until you kill that idol, you're not going to be able to follow God. What do you need to be able to say, you know what, I don't need that in my life anymore because I have Jesus. I'm going to leave that in the past where it belongs. We all know the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And in that song, each of the stanzas ends with no turning back, no turning back. The problem is some of us will never do anything for the Lord because we're so busy looking back at the past. Maybe there's something painful or hurtful that happened in your past and you can't get past it. So you can't move forward to what God has for you. Maybe one time in your life you did try something for the Lord. You tried to serve God and you fell on your face. And you're so busy looking back at that, you're like, I mean, I can't, I can't move forward. I can't focus forward. Maybe there's, like I said, maybe some sin in your past. And you're like, man, because of that, I can't move forward. I want to challenge you today that if we want to follow Jesus, we have to leave the past in the past. We have to move forward with Jesus. Learn the lessons of the past. Be thankful for the past because it got us where we're at today, but we can't have our eyes backwards if we're going to move forward to what God has for us. To wrap this up, I want to tell you why these verses in particular matter so much when it comes to vision conference. We know that the chapter numbers and, and the verse numbers of Scripture were added at a later date. So if we just stopped right here, we could say, man, Luke... 9, 57 through 62, those were just some good practical lessons about, you know, I need to be bought in for what Jesus has for me. But I want you to go forward. Look at Luke 10, verse 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore, he said unto them, the harvest truly is great but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. After these things, after Jesus has that conversation about, listen, this is what it's going to cost you to follow me. You have to be focused forward. You have to have the right priorities. You have to cast aside your comfort. Jesus goes and he sends out laborers into the harvest. And he tells them, listen, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. I may have shared this with you last time, but I did some research on what the population of the whole world may have been when Jesus was walking the earth. And there's different numbers based on where you look, but people, some people say 250 million, some people say 450 million. So let's just go in the middle and say 350 million people. In a world with 350 million people, Jesus says, hey, there's a great harvest, but the laborers are few. And if you're going to be one of the laborers, you can't be holding on to comfort. You can't have the wrong priorities. You can't be looking backwards. Listen, the harvest today has never been greater than any point in human history. There's a greater harvest today of souls living on this planet than there has ever been. And if the laborers were few back then, the laborers are few now. And God is still calling. God is still sending. God still desires for people to serve him. But are we ready? Are you ready for what God wants to do in your life? Are you ready to go into the harvest? Are you ready to go to your neighbor? Are you ready to go to your coworker? Or instead, are you holding on to comfort? Are you holding on to your wrong priorities? 
there's still work to do for missions. It's still true today. The problem is that we're drawn to our comfort. And today, maybe you need to get uncomfortable for Jesus. You need to give your life to follow Jesus. You need to get uncomfortable. You need to get uncomfortable maybe by giving to missions for the first time. Maybe you need to get uncomfortable by asking to be discipled. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe you need to get uncomfortable by saying, hey, I want to serve someone somewhere here in church, and I know it's going to cost me a little bit of sleep. It's going to cost me a little time. But I'm willing to do that because people need Jesus. People need to be discipled here. I want to be involved for what God has here. Maybe your priorities are wrong and you're waiting for a different time. You're saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Trust me, I'm going to do it. But not right now. There's other things I want to take care of. Listen, the harvest is ready. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a laborer's problem. And the time is now to surrender everything and follow Jesus. See, maybe you prioritize every relationship in your life first. And whatever's left over, that's what you give to Jesus. There's so many people I know of who've made an idol out of their family. There's so many parents that I know of who are willing, unwilling, I don't even, I'll just say this. I shouldn't say it. I'll just say it. I had a missionary friend who he, um, he lives, I, where does he live? I, I don't remember who's, where he lives. He was in a mission conference with me. But he said one day he was at his house on the mission field and he got a knock on his door. He's like, who in the world is knocking on my door? And it was these two 18-year-old Mormon guys. And they were talking to him, and he's like, hey, he's like, listen, I have zero interest in what you're saying, but I do have a question for you. He's like, how is it that all of you Mormon people are able to afford to come do this, to go on this mission, you know, and you're going to give however many years of your life to the church to go do a mission? And they're like, well, from the time we're born, our parents start putting money aside and saving for this. When they're born, the expectation of their parents is that eventually they're going to send their kids out. And they start preparing for that when they're younger. And the point this missionary was making was there's so many parents in America who are like, well, I'm not even going to send my kid to camp because they got to play sports. They got to do this. They got to do that. They got to do that. These Mormons, obviously their theology is completely wrong, but they have this expectation that when their child gets older, they're going to send them into the world. They're going to go send them to do ministry. But so many of us who are Christians, we're like, well, I, I don't want to do that. And there's so many parents who, when their kids are young, they'll dedicate them to the Lord and say, this child is yours. But once they start making college plans, they're like, okay, well, let's not be crazy, God. You know, let's not be, let's not get crazy here. Are we willing to make Jesus the priority or is our family a reason that we're like, God, I can't serve you because this relationship is more important than my relationship with you. And maybe today you're focused on the past. Maybe there's something in your life you need to lay down on the altar and say, Jesus, there's things in my past that are hard. There's things that are drawing me back, but I'm willing to leave them behind to focus forward for you. Listen, this morning you're going to have an opportunity during an invitation time to come to an altar and just give yourself to God. And this is what I'm going to tell you. There's nothing magical about an altar. There's nothing magical about if you walk down here and you pray and you, you know, dedicate your life and you say, I'm all in for the Lord. But I do want to tell you this. We're never going to boldly go for Jesus out into the world if we won't humbly come for Jesus to an altar. If we're not willing 
to humbly come at a church where people love us and say, God, all I am is yours. We're not going to boldly go into a world that mocks us and hates what we believe if we're not willing to do it publicly at a church. Maybe that's the thing you need to do to get uncomfortable. Say, I don't care. What matters to me is being all in for Jesus. Listen, my question is, are you ready for this week? Does he currently only have your arm or your leg? Or maybe you were all in a bit ago, but now you're out. And this needs to be the time you say, you know what? I'm done playing these games. I'm all in, all of me, forever. Because he's worth it. Because the stakes are so high. Because the world needs Jesus. This is why that I I want to focus on this this week. Up here, you have opportunities for missions trips. You're going to hear about the need for the gospel in Ireland. I would, I would love nothing more if at some point some of you come to Ireland and you see the ministry that you're investing in by giving to missions. But I'll just be honest. If you're not involved in ministry here, why would I want you to come to Ireland? We need to take the gospel seriously because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And God is still calling. But are we willing to answer? Are we willing to lay our whole lives on the line? My question for you this morning, before we go into our invitation time, and I pray for you, is this. Are you ready? If not, you're going to have an opportunity to get ready this morning. To say, God, I'm holding nothing back from you. My comfort, my priorities, my past, my future, it's all yours, all of me, completely, forever. I ask you to just close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to pray for you this morning. And you're going to have an opportunity to respond to what you've heard. And maybe today there's something that was identified in your own life that you have made an idol. And you say, God, I don't want to hold anything back from you. I want to look inwardly into myself, and I know my sinful heart. I know my selfish heart. I know that I'm holding myself back from you, but I'm done with that. I'm done playing these games. I don't want this to just be another vision conference where... You know, I'm fired up for a little bit of time, and then I go back to living how I always have. I want to be completely sold out for what Jesus wants for me. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you. Come forward and pray and just say, God, all I am is laid down at this altar. Dear Lord, I thank you that you still choose to use imperfect vessels like us in your perfect plan to save the world. Whether that's in Ireland or in the Dominican Republic or Illinois or here in Harrisonville, God, you can use us. But you ask us to lay everything on the line, to hold nothing back from you. And God, if there's things...